You're listening to the B2B Content Show, a podcast about the how, what, and why of B2B content marketing. I'm Jeremy Shear, and my guest is Ben Lloyd Pearson, Director of Development Marketing at Mattermost. Ben, it's great to have you on the show. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. It's really great to be here. So tell us about a memorable marketing moment from your career. Memorable marketing. So I, I had a moment many years ago when I worked for, for Samsung. So a very, very, very large company where we, one of the things that my team did is we published a lot of technical blogs that were like thought, thought leadership, engineering oriented, you know, showing, showing software engineers that are building really, you know, building products all over the world, how to use technologies that were like sort of a fundamental component of um, the things that we're building. And we, we once had this global meeting where we brought together all of our teams that kind of worked on a similar space within Samsung and, you know, just about every team there presented on some of the work that they've done and the things that they found beneficial from what we've been doing at, at Samsung and almost every single one of them, despite me having met almost none of them, they almost all referenced the blog that our engineers were running as like a, a really great point a really great mm. place for them to to just share knowledge and, and learn about stuff that was really important to their job. So, you know, it was one of those situations where something that we were doing really for ex external audiences was actually proving to be just as valuable for internal developers were, that were working with us. That's really cool. It's always good to, to get feedback that, hey, the content that you're putting out there is actually valuable. People actually right. like it. Yeah, <laughs> that is cool. That's a big win. And so now you're at Mattermost. Tell us about Mattermost. What are you guys all about? Yeah, so we're a we're a collaboration platform for software development teams. So we help teams manage the entire software development lifecycle. So we sort of started as a, an open source alternative to Slack as a chat platform. Um, but we've since expanded into a number of other things, including Kanban boards for project management. We've got some features for for managing repeatable processes, like processes that involve multiple people that, that the company has to do on a, on a regular cadence or at regular intervals to, to help with that stuff. And then we also have some other new features that are about to, to come out, including uh, here very shortly, we're going to be releasing some audio calls and screen sharing into beta into our platform. So, you know, we're, we're, we're this open source platform that is very much targeting like the collaboration center for software development teams. So, you know, where a lot of our competitors like Slack and Trello and Asana and, and Zoom, they kind of appeal to more general audiences. Mm -hmm. We we're really targeting software developers. Okay. And I know that one of your challenges in targeting software developers is that this is a group of people that do not like being marketed to. They just do not like marketing. That's, that's what you told me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not just making that up, right? So first of all, why not? Why don't, why don't they like marketing? Yeah, so I think the most important thing to understand is that developers have a certain level of indig indignation that they carry with them. So whenever you fail to meet their needs, they often view that through a lens of distrust. So developers very typically have like an extremely precise problem that they're, they're seeking to solve. Um, and to do so, they need these like fundamental logical building blocks to build that solution. So bad marketing teams, they have a tendency to do things like putting paywalls or personal information walls in front of vital information, like asking for an email before I even know if, if what you're providing actually has value to me. They'll often hide or obscure documentation in favor of more traditional marketing assets like white papers and, 
and landing pages on websites and, and stuff like that. Whereas a developer is just looking for the documentation, the technical underpinnings. And then you also see just some like unclear feature sets and pricing with a lot of bad marketing teams. So, and what it really comes down to is like developers, they really just want to know, like they want a clear picture of what it's like to use your product before they ever reach out to have any sort of sales conversation with you. And, and the reason for this is that, you know, even the simplest software development project can have like quite a few explicit moving parts. And the chances are that when a developer engages with your content, they, they're coming armed with, with basically two things. Like first, they have a, a pretty basic understanding of the challenges that they face. And the second is that they have an awareness of their own expertise gap. They may not know all the details around that, but they know that that gap exists. So as a result, they, they know that your product may have a solution that they would want. However, with that understanding that they have, they're, they're able to very quickly detect when you're misleading them on technical matters. So no matter if that's, if it's intentional or not, they're still going to view it through this negative lens. And not to mention that when you run into technical issues early on while you're, you're experiencing a product, you're going to start to, to question like what else is broken. Mm. So I, I think what it comes down to is, is, is if you want to market to them, you have to, you have to meet them where they are and actually give them resources that provide tangible value to them before you expect any sort of thing in return from them. Okay. And, you know, I'm sure software developers are not alone. They're not the only group that prefers that approach, right? But right. it sounds like maybe they're even more finely attuned to it than, than people in other professions. So give me some examples, if you can, of how you guys connect with software developers and avoid making these mistakes that you just described. Yeah. So, so in, in this space, it's, we, we have some advantage in that, that, you know, some of these tactics ha have been, they, they've been practiced for, for at least 10 or more years. You know, a Apple was kind of notorious for being the ones that, that sort of, that, that coined a lot of the, the initial terms and in, in thinking around this. But when it comes to developer marketing, there's, there's sort of two things that I view as essential to every practice. And then there's another one that's sort of, it's, it's a, is an aspirational thing that you can achieve in certain situations. So the two things that are essential are evangelism and advocacy. So developer evangelism, developer advocacy. And then the third one that is sort of optional is developer relations. So the definitions that I have for these is, is the personal definition I use. With evangelism, that's the practice of positioning yourself within the re relevant technology ecosystem. And the goal is to prepare your audience to fully understand your product. So quite often, this is the very first step that a company will take when they're trying to appeal to developer audiences. And it's all about things like narrative building, focusing on things that are external to your product and not making sales attempts. It's, it's actually a very common mistake for uh, companies that do this to, to try to attach some sort of sales attempt onto this and effectively moving the task further down the funnel than it should be. Mm -hmm. Like this is very much a top of funnel activity. Advocacy, the other, the other sort of essential component, that's the practice of generating educational materials, tooling, product improvements, and other resources that help your audience consume your product. So really what you're doing is you're putting yourself in your audience's shoes and you're focusing on building the things that they would need to be successful. So from, for developers, it's things like tutorials, guides, educational materials, but also includes some technical tooling that is, is beneficial to help them. 
So then that last, the, the third one that is more, more optional is a relation. So like developer relations. So that's where you're trying to actually build a non-transactional community. So in the SaaS space, it's things like a free tier, like a permanent free tier, or in the case of Mattermost, we're open source. So that's actually a really great place to, to do this type of stuff. And then sort of underneath that is this sort of operational logistics thing that we call community management. So specifically technical community management. And these are the people that will sort of interact at the, the, the individual one-on-one -on -one level with the, with the masses that you're bringing into your non-transactional community. And the goal with this is, is more of like nurturing engagement. So you want to, you want to help them get more out of your product or to do better things without putting any sort of like transactional pressure mm -hmm. on them. So, and then if you kind of wrap all of this up into like a marketing concept, which I, you know, just refer to as developer marketing, that's, that's the act of actually deploying all these technical resources to mm -hmm. grow, engage and nurture developer audiences. Okay. The last bit you mentioned sort of developing relationships, you describe that as optional. And I take that to mean like maybe not quite as important as the first two. Why is that? I think, I think it's just as important, if not more important. It, oh, it's, okay. it's optional in the sense that if you don't have a free tier or some way of building a non-transactional community, you just, you don't have that you don't have that capability available to you. It actually is, is far more effective than the first two in terms of like mm. the, the potential impact, but it's much more difficult to build up. And it's something that is just not available in all cases. You know, I've, I've worked for companies where we only have a product that we sell and, and nothing else. And there's really no, there's mm -hmm. not much way to build that like non-transactional community around it. Okay. I see. So it's like, if you can do that, you should, that's awesome. Right. But if mm -hmm. you don't have the option, then. It's not exactly optional. It's just, you can't do it. Right. Yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. Do it. Okay. <laughs> so now you mentioned earlier that a common mistake that you see is in that kind of early top of the funnel phase, making it transactional and trying to go for the sale. Why is that? Why is that bad? Why is that a problem? It, it's, it, you can alienate your audience quite quickly. You know, they're, they're looking for solutions, not products, you know, because a lot of times what happens within organizations is develop, developers aren't actually the people who are going to buy your product. They're the people who are going to use it. So uh, what will happen is a, a product team will come to the development team and say, we want feature set ABC. And the developers, when they actually do their investigation, will realize that maybe maybe the product, the assumptions the product team made don't actually align with the engineering that needs to be built. So, you know, the engineers are the ones who are trusted to go out and actually evaluate the various options and come back with their recommendations. So, you know, typically they're going to, they're not going to, they don't really even look at pricing or anything like that. They just say very honestly and plainly, like one solution is better. The other solution maybe is not. Or maybe there's trade-offs that we have to accept no matter which way, you know, because I've actually had success in the past with where I was dealing with a build versus buy scenario for developers. Like they could either do it themselves or they could buy our product and, you know, we, we can capture them when they're starting that investigation and just show them, like, if you want to do it yourself, here's all of the information you need to do it. The problem is it's actually, it, it may actually be very difficult. Like there's a reason our product exists because we solve some sort of big challenge that we know developers are facing. So, you know, they'll start this investigation and even if they don't become a, our customer, they can still go to their, their, the, the buying center, the, the product manager or their manager, or whoever is going to be in charge of actually buying and just give them a very detailed breakdown of what the trade-offs are going mm -hmm. to be. 
and using our resources as sort of the, the, like the, the knowledge that they're basing that off of. Mm -hmm. Okay. Got it. So what, what would be your advice for marketing teams that are trying to connect with developers and, you know, maybe struggling, having a hard time? Like if you're, if you want to build an approach, that's more like the one you're describing, what's the first step? Yeah. So the simple answer is hire someone who is an expert at it. So, <laughs> okay. I mean, if you have, if you have somebody who's experienced as a developer and can, and knows how to translate development challenges into to things that your marketing team, your product team, anyone who's non-technical can understand, that's, that's a very valuable asset to have. Lacking that it's, it's really just a matter of establishing, establishing a two-way street for for advocacy like i always say that advocacy goes both directions so you should be listening to your your users and translating the feedback that you get from them to your product and engineering teams and then as your product changes you should be translating the meaning of that in a language that your developer audiences can understand so you know that's that's kind of like as long as you can find a way to do that, you can be very successful. A lot of people will try to depend on engineers to fill in sort of the technical side of this equation. But from my experience, they tend to be the most, they, they tend to provide the most precise answers, but not necessarily the accurate answers for a marketing team tends to need. So you, you can sort of lean on product and engineering to help if you don't have that technical representative within the marketing team. However, you, you really need to understand that they don't think about, they, they think about the individual problems that they're solving at a very granular level, not necessarily the, the broader issues that need to be explained to the market for them to understand. Right. Which is the job of marketing. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's what, that's what marketers do. Okay. Well, great advice. Ben, thank you very much. Thanks for sharing all those insights and for taking time. Really a great conversation. Really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. That's it for this episode of the B2B Content Show. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts on any podcast app. And while you're at it, you might as well give the show five stars and leave an over-the-top comment about how much you love the podcast. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or you know someone who you think would be a great guest, let us know. You can contact me at jeremy at conversa.com. That's C-O-N-N-versa.com. The B2B Content Show is brought to you by Conversa Podcasting. Check us out at conversa.com to learn more about how we help B2B brands start podcasts to connect through conversation with the buyers and decision makers you need to get to know to grow your business. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.